Dear brothers and sisters, it is so good to be with you today. Allow me to extend blessings as well as the prayer of John as he have mentioned in his third letter, saying, I pray that you may prosper in all things and would be in health just as your soul prospers. May that be how it is with you as well as your family, even though we are not able to meet physically together, but in spirit and in truth, we worship and we continue to live for the Lord. Before we come to God's word, would you join me as we pray? Father, we are so thankful that in the midst of a chaotic and challenging world that we live in, we have a God who loves us. We, we have a God who is in control over the events of our life, for whom we give glory and praise. Would you speak to us your word? Would you guide us and lead us? We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the most beloved Christian songs is the chorus, God is so good. I'm sure you are familiar with it. A very simple, even short chorus. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good to me. Wonderful song, isn't it? But what if I tell you that not everyone thinks so? Some time ago, I talked with a 40-year-old man by the name of Edgar. Edgar shared with me how much of his life was full of pain, full of hardship. He went on to pour out a list of abusive and broken relationships that he experienced. And soon he came to a very disturbing conclusion about life. Edgar looking me straight in the eye and said, the way I look at it, it is this way. If things are going good, that I'm having a good day, I win. But if things are going bad, that I'm having a bad day, God wins. If it's good, I win. If it's bad, God wins. Somehow, Edgar thinks that God isn't doing anything to help when things are going wrong in his life. And it perhaps even seem that God takes pleasure when things go wrong in his life. How can God be good then? Perhaps some of you have similar thoughts and feelings. Who would want to follow? Who would want to obey such a God? But that is not our God. That's not the God who revealed himself in the Bible. In Psalm chapter 16, King David invites us to draw near to God, a God who is good. This psalm, Psalm 16, is David's song of confidence in God. Here we learn who God is and, and why we ought to live for him. David tells us that God is so good, first because he is good. Second, God is so good because he has done good to us. And finally, God is so good because he has good planned for us. This morning, we're going to look at each of these things that David reminds us together 
and may it give us a new confidence of God in our life. First, God is so good because He is good. Would you look with me in verses 1 to 4 of Psalm chapter 16? David begins with these words, Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, You are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. Their sorrow shall be multiplied, who hasten after another god. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. Let's stop there for a few minutes. In these four verses, David committed himself to God because he was convinced that God is good. He says to the Lord, Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. In other words, David was saying that there is nothing good that is not of God and from God that he had experienced. The word good means one who is kind-hearted. It also means one who is gracious, good-natured, and benevolent in intention. Did you hear that? What is a good person? Well, a good person is kind-hearted, gracious, good-natured, and more importantly, benevolent in intention. Not just in the outside, but more importantly, from the inside. And all of that says David, describes God. That's why in the most familiar phrase throughout the Old Testament is the statement, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. First Chronicles 16.34 and many, many places throughout the book of Psalms. How about Psalm 34 verse 8? Taste and see that the Lord is good. And then who will forget Psalm 100, verses 4 to 5? It says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name, for the Lord is good and His love is eternal. His faithfulness endures to all generations. God's character. If there's one thing that would characterize God, it is his goodness. Every aspect of God is good. So much so that David says he delights in the saints. These are, these are those who follow such a God. The holy ones. Those who acknowledge that God is good. He takes delight in them. And at the same time, David says he distanced himself from those who reject such a good God. I recently read a story of a young man who was asked to say a prayer just before a meal. Now, this young man was not the praying type, but he went ahead to say what comes to his mind. So he began his prayer this way. He said, Oh dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us. You are kind, you are gentle, and we thank you, O oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts. 
we thank you this day and each day. And he stopped there because he kind of ran out of things to say. Not knowing what else to say in that prayer, he added these words. He said, day by day, O dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day by day. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, sounds impressive, isn't it, for the young man to have continued on with those profound words at the end of his prayer. Now, for those of you who don't know, those are the words of a 70s pop song that, uh, it, by the title Day by Day. And the young man couldn't think of any words and simply just drew words out of that pop song. Now, whether, whether it came from him or from a pop song, those are not only right words to say, but it's right on the mark. If God is who he said he is, if he is truly good, then it is only right that we want to love him more dearly, that we want to see him more clearly, that we want to draw near him day by day. Because that's the kind of God that we want to come and, 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 and worship and glorify. It is important to every Christian to be convinced that God is good, but at the same time, not to forget that only God is good. We can't let ourselves imagine that there is even an inch of good that is not from God, that is outside of His will for our lives. It is for this reason that James said these words in James 1, 16-17. He said, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In other words, there are no good gifts that doesn't come from God. Because God is good. He can only give that which is good. And what we receive that is good must be from God. All good things come from the Lord. And do you know what is one sin, uh, one temptation that the devil would like to put into our hearts, in, into our minds that we need to be on guard? Satan tempts us to think that we can find something good, something satisfying that is not from God. If Satan could put that into our minds, that somehow there are things out there that are good that doesn't come from God, watch out. Because we need to remember that that is the essence of sin. That is, we can find good apart from God. That we can find good outside of His provision. That we can find good that is outside of His will. The Bible tells us that God is good and good things come from him. Only God is good. Can I read you again verses 1 to 4 of Psalm 16? But at this time, I would like to read it from the New Living Translation. For those of you who don't know, I, I guess uh, I do my Bible reading from the New Living Translation because, you know, first of all, the English is much more contemporary and it's kind of more of what we normally use by way of English, as you will see. 
But listen to the New Living Translation of Psalm 16. At least right now, verses 1 to 4. Would you listen? David begins by saying, Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Does that describe you? Does that describe how you feel and think of God? Remember first that God is good because He is good. That's His characteristic. That's who God is. He is a good God. Secondly, God is so good because He has done good to us. God is so good because He has done good things to us. Look at verses 5 to 8 of Psalm 16. The psalmist goes on to say, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. To understand this part of Psalm 16, you need to understand that when Israel entered the promised land, every tribe out of the, uh, you know, the tribes of Israel were given, were assigned a portion of land to live in. That is all except one. That is the tribe of Levi. Every single tribe, every single family, they got an inheritance, a land to which they can live and, 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 and um, cultivate and, and, and take care of their needs. Everyone got one except the tribe of Levi. You see, the tribe of Levi, which is made out of the priests and uh, the Levites, they were not given any tribal area. Because of their service to the Lord, the Levites had the Lord as their special portion. They don't have land, but they have God to take care of them. Listen to Numbers chapter 18, verse 20. God said this to the Levites. He said, you shall have no inheritance in the land. Neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. The, the Levites, they don't get any inheritance. Instead, they have to rely on God for their provision, for their safety. Now, let me ask you, is that fair? Would you be open to that kind of an arrangement? For some people, they may say, well, that's not fair. They should have gotten something. But if you think about it, it, it was fair. They didn't get any land, but they did get something. Actually, someone that is God himself. God said, hey, I'll take care of you. Hey, I'll provide for you. I am your inheritance. 
And David sees on that, 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 that analogy. He says, hey, I think that describes me too. Yes, I might have something or I may not have something, but I have something much more important than anything. That is God himself. And David sees himself in the same situation. David is claiming the same close relationship with God. To, see, to say that true safety, true security, true provision do not come from property or possession, but rather it comes from knowing and living in the presence of God. God is my inheritance. God is my portion. Listen to what David said in Psalm 27 verse 4. He says, One thing I ask of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. David says, I am so blessed, not that I have this, not that I have that, but that I may come near God, I may dwell in His house, I may see the Lord. David is blessed with God Himself. Listen to Psalm 73, verse 25 to 26. The psalmist says, Whom have I have in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion. There it is again. My portion, my inheritance forever. You know, it doesn't mean God doesn't bless us, doesn't bless the Levites, doesn't bless David with anything else. He does. David acknowledged says, God, you counseled me. You give me instruction. You bless me with so many things. But what makes all of them truly good, what makes them all wonderful is that I have God Himself in my life. You see, the greatest blessing is that God has given Himself to you and to me. And if we do not have God, then no other gift that He gives really would mean anything, isn't it? Think about it. If God gave you health, but did not give you Himself, would that make you happy? If God gave you a nice home and plenty of money, but He did not give you Himself, will you be content? If you went to heaven, to the streets made of solid gold, with air clean and bright, and there will be no more sin, and everyone gets along with each other, but Jesus is not there, would you be satisfied? What is saying here is that if there is the blessing that he wants, if, it, if there's the greatest blessing that anyone could ever have, is to have God himself for a portion for his inheritance. That is what he seeks after. Would you allow me to read again verses 5 to 8 of Psalm 16? And again, in the New Living Translation. And allow the kind of more familiar words sink into our minds as to what David is saying in this passage. Would you listen to verses 5 to 8 again? David said, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. 
I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for He is right besides me. I love this story that my professor at Dallas Seminary shared. Dr. Howard Hendricks talked of a visit he had to a leprosy center in India. In the morning, as he arrives to this leprosy center, the residents were gathering together for a praise service. One of the women with leprosy soon hobbled up to the platform. Hendricks said that even though she was partially blind and and badly disfigured all over, he said she was one of the most beautiful women that he had ever seen. And as the woman stand in front of everyone, raising both her nearly fingerless hand up towards heaven, she said these words clearly for all to hear. She said, I want to praise God that I am a leper. Because it was through my leprosy that I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I would rather be a leper who knows Christ than to be completely whole and a stranger to His grace. Wow. I would rather be a leper who knows Christ than be completely whole and a stranger to His grace. That is the testimony of those who know that God is good and to know that God has done good things to them for which they are eternally grateful. God is so good because He is good. God is so good because He had done good to you, to me, to all of us. There's one last thing David wants us to know concerning the goodness of God. God is so good because He has good planned for us. God has good laid out, planned out for you, for me, for us. Would you look at our last three verses in Psalm chapter 16, reading beginning in verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. For David, following God does not mean that things will be easy. Following God doesn't mean that there will be no problems at all. Following God for David doesn't mean that he will not die. Those things will hap- may happen. Instead, though, David's looked and placed his trust in God in spite of all of this. The Hebrew word Sheol that David mentioned in verse 10 He says that, God, you will not leave me in Sheol. The word Sheol there means the grave, the pit. David is saying that God will not abandon him, that God will not forget him, that God will leave him to himself even at the point of death. No, that is not 
what a good God would do. A good God will remember. In fact, a good God will raise him, will resurrect him. That is the hope of David. Another way to say it is this, God will, that it is, death is not the end of it. As people would think, well, death is death. That's all. No, David said, God will not abandon. A good God will not abandon me to the grave. He has more plans in store for me. God has good planned out to those who put their trust in Him. And this, by the way, is the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ as well. As He faced the cross, the Lord Jesus knew that He must die, but that His body will not remain in the tomb. Remember what our Lord said to His disciples in Mark 9.31. He said, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of man, and they will kill Him. Him, but when he is killed after three days, he will rise again. And it is that, that hope that the tomb is not the end of it all, but that God has more in store is what David is talking about here in Psalm 16. In fact, in his, in his Pentecost message in Acts chapter 2, verses 25 to 28, the apostle Paul quoting from Psalm 16, verse 10, said it's talking, it's prophesying about the resurrection of Jesus. And because Jesus did rise again from the dead, that the tomb, the grave did not hold him, it is that same hope that David rejoiced in his future resurrection. And it is the hope and the joy that we too, who follow God, may have today. We who put our trust in Jesus may also rejoice knowing that God will not abandon us, knowing that God will not forget us, that God has planned in store for us for eternity. We who trust God, even in the face of death, have hope. We believe that on the basis of God's goodness and the faithfulness of His Word, He will not abandon us. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 15, verses 52 to 53. The Apostle Paul said these words, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we all shall be changed. What Paul is saying is this, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you know for a fact that death is not the end. It is not the end of Jesus. It is certainly not the end of David, and it will not be the end of you and of me who follow the Lord. I'm reminded of a conversation I have with a friend who was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. Nothing in her life seemed to work out. Doesn't seem that current treatment is effective. She told me, she tells me these words. She said, I have no problem believing in a good God. I believe God is good. But the question that I have, my friend told me, is what is God good for? God is good, yes. But if I am in my condition and things does not change, what is God good for? Wow. 
how do you respond to such a, a loaded and, and incredibly emotionally laden statement? What is God good for? And I had to admit it, it was, I don't know what to say. But I remember reading a book written by Dallas Willard. And there was a quote that, that really stuck into my mind. And I shared this quote with my friend. The quote is this, For those who love God, nothing irredeemable can happen to you. Can I say that again? For those who love God, nothing irredeemable can happen to you. Nothing can happen to you that God is not able to change. That God is not able to redeem out for His purpose, for His glory. To us, it may seem to be impossible. To us, it may seem to be a lost cause. To us, it may seem to be waste. Not so with those who love God because nothing is irredeemable. There's nothing that God cannot redeem to those that He loves. And having said that, I followed up this statement with my friend. With that in mind, is God good for that promise? Would you agree that if there is a God like that who can redeem that which is irredeemable, seemingly irredeemable, isn't that the goodness of God, something that draws us to Him time and time again. That's what David is saying. And he ends with a positive statement of confidence. You see, not only will God deliver him from death, but that He will bless David with life in His presence. You see, we're not just raised from the death and just move on doing whatever we do. No, we will be raised so that we may be in God's presence forever, for eternity. Listen again to verse 11 of Psalm 16. David said, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The path of life leads to everlasting joy with God. God has promised us the greatest blessing of all, and that is He has given Himself to be with us for all eternity. Let me ask you, is there anything better than that? We've been reading from Psalm 16 from the New Living Translation so far. Allow me to finish off verses 9 to 11 from this wonderful translation. Reading verses 9 to 11, David says, no wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body, it rests in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. I'd like to close with a story that I dearly, dearly love. It's a story shared by the Christian writer, Dr. Samuel Dickey Gordon. And it talks about an old Christian woman whose age has begun to affect her memory. 
at her younger age, she took a lot of effort to memorize much of the Bible by heart. And she could share out many, many Bible verses. But soon, as, well, as she is getting older and, and as age comes, slowly one scripture after another becomes lost to her. However, there is one precious bit of scripture that stayed with her much of her life. It is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. She knows it by heart. And this scripture said this, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. What a beautiful scripture promise to hold on to. But as time went on, this old Christian woman lost even most of that verse. And soon she would just quietly repeat this phrase, that which I have committed unto him. That's all she could remember. That which I have committed unto him. And at last, as she was close to death, her loved ones noticed that her lips were moving. And as they bent over to listen and see if she needed anything, all they could hear is her repeating over and over again one word. It is the word him, 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 him. She lost all the words from the Bible and even that very last verse except one word. But if you think about it, it's the most important word of all, isn't it? You see, in that one word, she has the whole Bible in it. Him, that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, when we come to the end of life and all that matters to us, there's only one thing that matters, isn't it? It's Him. Material things won't mean anything. All things that matter will be Him. We begin with Him, we will end with Him. And the only way to find true joy in life on a daily basis and even into eternity is to find in Him who is truly good and the source of all that is good. Why is God so good? David tells us God is so good because He is good. That's just the nature, the characteristic of God. He is good. God is so good because He has done good to us. Reminds you of that song, count your blessing, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God had done. That's it. And finally, God is so good because God has our good planned out for us. More has yet to come. God has more in store. God has more good planned out for us. You ain't seen everything yet. There's more to come. That's how good God is. Brothers and sisters, is God good? Can you say with full confidence, can you sing that God is so good to me? I pray that you will be like David 
full of confidence as you face the uncertainties, as you face the challenge of life. Let us pray. Our gracious, our loving, our good God, thank you that once again we are brought near to your goodness to see, to be reminded that we have a God who is kind-hearted, who is generous, who is gracious, who is benevolent even to your intention for us. And you want to give us good things and for us to enjoy your goodness for all eternity. Perhaps some of us struggle in that, O oh God. Perhaps some of us don't remember or perhaps had doubts on your goodness. Or perhaps some of us are struggling because there are things that we wanted, that we desired after, that we do not have, thinking that somehow, God, you have withheld your goodness from us. And that somehow maybe we will never experience goodness in our life, forgetting all the promises, forgetting all that you have done and all that you will continue to do. Forgive us, O oh God, too, that many times we look for goodness somewhere else. We are deceived by the enemy, O oh God, thinking that we may find goodness and satisfaction and joy outside of you, outside of your will, outside of your grace. And Lord, we are shown time and time again that that is, Lord, nothing else but sin, for only good things come from you, O Lord. Bring us back to yourself, O God. Bring us back to your goodness. May we live, may we find joy, may we find encouragement and commitment to live for you, O God, because you alone are good. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. He answers prayers. He answers prayers. He answers prayers. He's so good to me. He loves me so. He loves me so. He loves me so. He's so good to me. Amen.